past week, there have been two fires, a flood, and a mass murder. Unfortunately, none of them here at Gary's Shoes, where I, Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, <laughs> have been since this breastfeeding protest began. But since I am here, I might as well speak to the leader of the counter-demonstration, a former high school football player, current shoe salesman, and future food stamp abuser, Al Bundy. Mr. Bundy, what is your group trying to achieve here? We want to show the world that men have a God-given right to live in a breast-free environment. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This is Luigi. I'm a former high school football player, current shoe salesman, and future food stamp abuser. Chris here, don't mind me, I'm peeing. It's a natural bodily function, you know. Alyssa here. Damn George Washington, I wish he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So we are here reviewing season nine, episode six, Business Sucks. Original air date, October 9th, 1994. Alan Noman decides to hold a counter protest in favor of banning breastfeeding from the shoe store. Director Jerry Cohen. Writer Stacy Lip. Special guest stars. Harold Sylvester as Griff. Janet Carroll as Gary. Dan Tullis Jr. as Officer Dan. Teresa Parente as Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardenal. E.E. <laughs> e. Bell as Bob Rooney. Mary Pat Green as Marge, Cynthia Steele as Rebecca, David John Poindexter as Poindexter, Marla Katowski as Helga, Dot Marie Jones as Dot, and Kim Weisskopf as the voice of Buck. Selling women's shoes is tough. If you can squeeze your butt in the chair, we can squeeze the shoe on your foot. But when Al's boss remodels... There'll be bidets and Michael Bolton music. It'll be his worst nightmare. Please, you needn't thank me. I'm just hoping you'll drive that heel in the back of my skull. A brand new Married with Children Sunday. So we're back here in the nudie bar, and we are joined again by our special guest co-host, Alyssa. Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, Alyssa. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks. Glad to be here. You know, having a woman in the nudie bar really adds a little bit of charm to it. Don't you think so, Chris? Oh, absolutely. You know, I wanted to buy a no ma'am shirt, but I'm like, that would just be really weird for me to wear, you know? No, I mean, really, Alyssa, you're part of the Fang chapter of uh, <laughs> the Married with Children podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a closet yeah. Fang thing uh, whatever it's called <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah you know annabelle has talked about having a fang round table so i know that you're welcome on it oh, i know all the, i know all the listeners would really uh appreciate hearing that sort of uh, a round table <laughs> of women i could talk about my husband for hours <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, this being the Married with Children podcast, you know, actually, Alyssa, you fall into the category of being someone who's married with children. Yes, I have an almost two-year-old son. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the things that's funny is if you look at most of the, I think if you look at all the hosts and co-hosts, I think you're maybe the first one who fits into that category. That's crazy. <laughs> that is kind of funny to think about that. I never thought about that before. Most that's of really us, crazy. Most yeah. of us are either... Well, some are married, some are single, some are divorced, but she's the only one that's married with kids. Wow. That's right. <laughs> it's funny. And I've been a fan since way before I, had, I was married with kids. Right. I mean, and, you know, so if you look at our last episode that we reviewed, <laughs> it's like she was able to put a perspective on breastfeeding. And I yep. think on this one, you're going to be able to give us a perspective on diapers. Dirty diapers. <laughs> <laughs> So interestingly about season nine, season nine had three two-part episodes. So this is the first of the two-part episodes that uh, we are reviewing. There are two more. There is I Want My Psycho Dad, yeah. which is a two-parter. And then later on, we have Ship Happens. Yep. Both of those are excellent episodes. I they like them. are. This is also the first multi-part episode for Married with Children since the England shows at the end of season six. Throughout seasons seven and eight, there were no two-part episodes. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, very surprising. Yeah. There was a whole bunch in season five, too. Correct. There were two-part episodes. There was the shopping one. The one where they go to, is it, where do they go? The desert. Was it Albuquerque? Somewhere in New Mexico? That was uh, Route 666. Lucifer, New Mexico. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Man, we go to some of the some of the best places on the show. We've got Dump Water, Florida, yep. Lucifer, New Mexico, uh, Sweat Bucket. It, it, what's it called? What's the other one? It's um, oh, Burnt Scrotum, Arizona. Wait, yeah, New Mexico. That, that, that that's what that's one of my favorites actually. Yeah, yeah Burnt Scrotum. Burnt we, we go, we go. <laughs> that actually sounds like it could be a real name because a lot of times. I mean, if you look at some of the really weird names in each state, yeah, uh, you go back to the the times of, uh, you know, when they were naming these towns. Um, <laughs> some of them are pretty funny names. <laughs> <laughs> so the same as in the England shows, we open this episode with a recap as told by Buck. Last time on Married with Children, I was neither fed, walked, or had a close-up. Ah, that's better. Last time on Married with Children, Al was having a typical day at the shoe store when suddenly... Oh, what in Sam Hill are you doing? I'm breastfeeding. Oh, why? Because he can't cook. Besides, you just told me he was all right if I fed him. Well, I meant to give him something healthy like an orange bang. Al made the lady leave, but only temporarily. How dare you deny her her God-given right to nurse her baby whenever Mother Nature calls? <laughs> Breastfeeding is a natural biological function. So is peeing, but you don't see me doing that in public. Al stuck by his guns on this one, so you know his life could have only gotten better. Company, company, ho! Present babies! <laughs> So Al had no choice but to counter-protest in his usual classy manner. Present beer bellies. 
now, despite my vehement objections, Married with Children continues. Now, so I was on the England shows. It was the first time I was a guest co-host. Oh. Alex, Dan, and Jamie had made mentions that they really don't like recaps. I wanted to get your opinions as to what you think about the recaps for this ep- for the first episode of this two-parter. I think the, the the recap was short and sweet. You know, some shows have really long recaps, but this one was just real quick. Got to the point, told you exactly what you saw last week, but without going. They didn't tell, even talk about Peggy. They had nothing about Peggy in there. Yeah, and Peggy was really like an ancillary character. She really didn't have too much on this one. Oh yeah, for sure. But you know, I actually, I guess because I have to do my job as a uh, uh, part of the research team, this recap actually lasted one minute thirty eight seconds. Yeah, that's quick. So, I, I guess it's all in your perspective, right? It could have been fifteen seconds, it could have been you know longer. But <laughs> I guess my first question is: Do you think that uh, one minute thirty eight seconds was too long for it, or just right? No, I think that's perfect. Chris. Well, I mean, I guess there's two ways to look at it. I mean, a minute and 38 seconds isn't long, but whenever you whenever you think about a show that's 22 minutes in length, roughly, mm. a minute and 38, you could say, well, a minute and 38 seconds is kind of long because that directly takes away from the show. I, I can tell you from personal experience, not only from witnessing tapings of different shows and, you know, my time on The Price is Right, uh, The Price is Right, for example, uh, airs uh, 60 minutes, but only actually 39 minutes of it is actual footage yeah. of the show. The rest, of, the rest of it is commercials. So for, for me, being a contestant and being on the stage, they edit a lot of it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of it out. You know, five seconds here, 15 seconds there, six seconds here. Uh, anything to, to make up that time that they need for commercial time, you know. And like you look at this program, you're like, well, they have 22 minutes roughly of the 30 minutes. And you could say, well, they kind of you, you could you could use the word waste if you want. You could say, well, they wasted a minute and 38 seconds of it on a recap on uh, really this episode could stand alone. Really, they, they could they, they could have done it in 15 seconds saying, hey, Al got into an argument with a, a, a customer over breastfeeding. And he and Marcy had a uh, face-off with each other. I mean, that could have been done in 15 seconds, you know? (laughs) That's true, yeah. Well, because, I mean, if you look at it, it's like, what, about 9% of a normal show has been taken away by a recap. Yeah. But the other thing is, because it is a two-parter, and again, we have to put ourselves back into the state of the world in 1994, you know, if if someone had missed the show the week before, because remember the way, think of the way we used to watch these shows, right? If somebody had missed the show the previous week, they're going to want to, you know, unless they had taped it, they're going to want to get that recap. I mean, it's not like you could watch it on Netflix or DVR it <laughs> as conveniently as you can do it today. So Back then, yeah. <laughs> you, you need a minute and 38 seconds to explain what people are looking at because if they didn't catch it the previous week, they're not going to see it again until summer reruns. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, nowadays we kind of, you make a good point. I mean, we, we take so many things for granted now. I mean, not only do you have Netflix and DVR, you could literally go to YouTube and watch almost anything. I mean, there's people that just like record stuff with their phone and post it on there. I mean, you could (laughs) could watch the, my husband watched the, uh, the, the fight, the Tyson fight a couple weeks ago, just from somebody's Facebook feed, their live stream. Yep. Yep. Believe it. 
Yeah, I mean, you could probably you could probably go to uh, to Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or someone's Facebook live feed a couple of minutes after the fight's over and someone has it posted there, you know, or bits and pieces Crazy. of it. So you do make a good point that back in that moment in the mid 1990s and, you know, mm-hmm. really up until the era that we're in right now. If you missed an episode, that was it until reruns. <laughs> Very true. So after the recap, we hear chanting in the shoe store. One, two, three, four, we will breastfeed in your store. Two, four, six, eight, hide your <laughs> Wait a second, what rhymes with eight? Uh, get a date? Uh, guess my weight. You're an eight. <laughs> 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 It's pretty funny they couldn't even think of a, of a rebuttal. <laughs> now, I have to admit, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Teresa Parente as Miranda. And looking at the script for this show, I'd say these are probably the best lines that she had in all of her appearances on the show. Oh, yeah, they were funny. Last week, there have been two fires, a flood, and a mass murder. Unfortunately, none of them here at Gary's Shoes, where I, Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, <laughs> have been since this breastfeeding protest began. But since I am here, I might as well speak to the leader of the counter-demonstration, a former high school football player, current shoe salesman, and future food stamp abuser, Al Bundy. Mr. Bundy, what is your group trying to achieve here? We want to show the world that men have a God-given right to live in a breast-free environment. Yeah, she was she was brilliant. I mean, Mr. Bundy, sorry to break up the Mensa meeting. The, <laughs> the line. I mean, she was pretty brilliant in this. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I want to speak to the leader of the counter demonstration. <laughs> A former high school football player, current shoe salesman, and future food stamp abuser, Al Bundy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's. (laughs) And then she talks about the. Which, what's been going on all, since we've been here? Two fires, a flood, a mass murder, but I'm still here. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm excited. Uh, you know, well, I guess we, you know, we spoke about this a little bit about this last time, but I'm just excited that we've uh, finally been introduced to Miranda. You know, she's someone that uh, she's a character that everyone knows and loves. Uh, mm-hmm. She's uh, very beloved amongst the fan base, and uh, her character is funny because when you think of most um, famous characters on on any show, you know, they have a catchphrase or they have a a saying or um, you know an ism or whatever, what have you that that makes them famous or whatever. Her catchphrase is simply just saying her name. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, and it's so memorable, too. Mm-hmm. They go back and forth, and, you know, Al talks about how it's, uh, men have a God-given right to live in a breast-free environment. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bundy, what is your group trying to achieve here? We want to show the world that men have a God-given right to live in a breast-free environment. Don't get us wrong. We're not some of those sissy Marys who don't like breasts. I mean, I'm not. Of course, I can't vouch for these other guys. Our point is, breasts have no place in a women's shoe store. Unless they're on a pinup calendar in a bathroom. 
are in one of them pens where the bathing suit disappears. Uh, Mr. Bundy, sorry to break up the Mensa meeting, but how, how does your wife feel about this protest? Uh, I'm not married. But if I was married, I'm sure she'd be here for me. You know, and I mean, we talked about this in the last episode where it's like, I mean, he even mentions it in his dialogue. It's like, it's like, unless they're on a pinup calendar in a bathroom. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, here's the no man crew that, you know, goes to the jiggly room every week, yet they don't want to have uh, a woman breastfeed in the shoe store. <laughs> it is kind of, it is kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, and the way, like, I think we talked about this last week and I just felt like, I guess what they're trying to get across is men use breasts to objectify like a woman, mm -hmm. but like when a woman's using them, I guess for what the way nature intended them to, <laughs> yeah. it's like that, that's not that's not sexualized. It's gross to them. Yeah, I guess, and that's the comedy. I mean, I don't know if we have anything else to say about that, but I mean, I feel like that's <laughs> what it, that's what we're seeing. This is what it is. Miranda says, Mr. Bundy, sorry to break up the Mensa meeting, <laughs> Mensa meeting but how does your wife feel about this protest? <laughs> uh, now, Mensa is the largest and oldest IQ society in the world. It is a nonprofit organization open to people who score at least the 98th percentile or higher on a standardized, supervised IQ or other approved intelligence test. Now, you know, I remember... Back in the 80s, you know, in 90s, people talking about people who were in Mensa, like as a group. But I don't know. It's like not something I hear about anymore nowadays. I mean, do you guys know anyone in Mensa or like, you know, have heard it mentioned more recently? Not really. I, I know what you're talking about. I remember seeing that and, and hearing about it, you know, when I was a kid. But I don't I don't think I've ever met anyone uh, that's in it, that's a member of it, nor do I know. I, you know, you know, you'd think with all the stuff you see on social media and stuff, he's like, oh, you, we'd see something. Uh, <laughs> in fact, let me look uh, while we're on here. I'll look and see if I can find like a Facebook or Instagram group. Let me look. You got me curious now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are. But uh, like I said, it was something like if you think about sitcoms, again, especially like Alyssa, like you, you and I are from the same generation. Yes. Uh, you know, watching sitcoms in the 80s, early 90s, I remember like things being mentioned. Yeah. I mean, and we also have, for example, the, the married with children episode when uh, it was called high IQ. Oh, right. When, when they, I guess it was a group that they, I guess they didn't use the word, the name Mensa in it, but that was when uh, Kelly thought she was smart. And then yeah. we find out that it was a pig party, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So I just looked up on Instagram and Facebook uh, on IG. There's a group called American Mensa. It uh, only has 5,000 followers, though, which oh. is not a, not a huge following, really, for when you when you think about a large organization like that. Yeah. And then um, and, and I looked on uh, Facebook and there's one called Mensa International. It has the same logo. So it's associated with the one. The other one I just mentioned, this one has 24,000 followers. But again, that's really not that when you're talking about an international group like that. Although, to be fair, I guess when you're talking about scoring in the top, what is it, in the top 2%, you said? Yeah. The 98th percentile, right? So, in other words, the top 2% of people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 
not a lot of people would qualify. So if you think of it like that, it's like, well, I guess it's not that surprising that it doesn't have a large following. <laughs> 98% of people won't qualify for it. <laughs> well, for a group like the Married with Children podcast, we have, what, close to 3,000 people at this point. I mean, we're doing pretty <laughs> damn good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody contributes to our Patreon, but, you know, <laughs> but that's okay. I contributed when you guys uh, did Don't Tell My Babysitter's Dead. Because I love that movie. Yeah, that was a great review. And that was Alex and Jerry, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, it feels like ages ago. (laughs) But, you know, Alex is still here with us in spirit. All right, so moving right along. So Al says he's not married, (laughs) but enter Peg. How how does your wife feel about this protest? Uh, I'm not married. But if I was married, I'm sure she'd be here for me. Hi, Al. Hello, woman I've never seen before. Oh, yeah, here you wear the bag, but in bed? You two don't mind. I'll head over to the other wing of the asylum. Here she comes, girls. Look fertile and oppressed. Hi, honey. Brought you your lunch. Just three pieces of bread, Pay. Yeah, it's a club sandwich. Hold the club. <laughs> well, I'd like to hold the club, Peg. Oh, well, I guess it's better than yesterday's hot dog bun on rye. Now, look, Al. I know I'm not supposed to ask you about your business or your future or why there's never a pair of your dirty underwear in the hamper. But just how long is this protest going to continue? Until we've made our point, Peg, which shouldn't be long once these women realize how united we men are. And Peg shows up wearing a bag on her head. <laughs> that was funny. Al says, oh, yeah, here you wear the bag, but in bed you don't. I laughed out loud on that one. <laughs> so, but in bed, and then, you know, Miranda says, if you, don't, if you two don't mind, I'll head over to the other wing of the asylum. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Who's that? Who's that? That was uh, Miranda Teresa. Oh gosh, she's so funny in this one. No, I, I say like I think of all of the all the episodes that she appears in, I'd say that this was her best material for sure. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Now that asylum joke I thought was pretty funny because it also points out, and you know, I don't know if you guys have ever like, like let's say. And I don't know if people do this anymore. Again, this is maybe dating me and other people. It's like if you think about like your morning routine, people would turn on the morning news, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, who do you have? It's like you have two very cheery uh, anchors on the screen. It's like, you know, and big smiles at 7 a.m. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like you have some goofy weatherman or weather girl. You know, somebody in traffic and it's like all big smiles and it's like uh, they crack in the corniest jokes and whatnot. So to me, it's like, I think it's like she's parodying those TV reporters. Totally. Yep, definitely. I, I get that feeling. I, I actually have a, a friend of mine who is a, um, a weatherman for the local news here in Houston. Oh, and cool. um, he, he's so different on TV than what he is in real life. You kind of have to be an actor, huh? Yeah, I mean, he, when you watch it, when you meet him in real life, I mean, you could you could meet this guy at a bar or a restaurant and you'd think he's just someone who like just a regular guy or whatever. 
But when he's on TV, he's all happy, cheery, cracking <laughs> jokes and stuff, even though he's talking about, well, another 100-degree weather here in Houston, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make it exciting, you know, for the viewers. You know, it's it's all what it's about. Yeah. Right. Like I said, it's, it's, it's acting as well. I mean, if for those who do that job, they have to act. And, you know, I think that uh, that's what we're seeing there. And I think she really did. It's a great comedic effect. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. I, I, she's, she's another one of these great characters that I've mentioned, uh, you know, that we get here in the third act of the series that I really wish we would have got earlier on because she's, she's amazing. I, lo- I love Miranda. So Peg brings Al some lunch. So this is very much out of character. It and, it's a club, it's, and it's a club sandwich. Hold the club. Hold the club, yeah. <laughs> Three pieces of bread. <laughs> yeah, but it was better than uh, yesterday's hot dog bun on rye. now there's a very funny scene comes up so you know peg's wondering how long this protest is going to last this is until the women realize how united we are so in comes poindexter and that's who i think the character is i mean there's really no picture of him but you know since he had some he did say some lines david john poindexter was the really fat guy Mm -hmm. in in no ma'am so his character's name, Poindexter. So he comes in holding a bag of what's called burgers by the yard. Food! Hey, burgers! Come on! Hey, you're supposed to bring the food back to us, not eat it all yourself. I hit a red line on the way back. <laughs> and he gives like this sad look on his face. <laughs> he had a weak All the moment, empty huh? wrappers fall down. He had a weak moment. Yeah. Uh, that, was, uh, that was really funny. I mean, just like, like, again, it's just the whole setup. I mean, again, and these are very standard jokes. It's like, okay, here's a fat guy eating burgers. You know, yeah. a bunch of fat guys who want burgers. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, look, Al, you've been gone a week, and I miss you. There's no one to take the trash out. And sex without you just isn't the same. Well, actually, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Kind of like, kind of like the uh, Sam Kinison episode where Sam Kinison goes, "She doesn't know you're there, Bundy." It's kind of like when you're having sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Peggy tries to broker a truce between Marcy and Al. I want this protest to be over right now. Marcy, get over here. Now, how long have we been friends? What, me and you or me and her? You and Soap. (laughs) Why don't you two just drop this whole thing? Well, don't worry, Peggy. This will all be over soon. You see, Al and I have already found a way to settle our differences. Our philosophical ones. The physical ones are still too close to call. (laughs) Actually... The key was to find someone who could track down what the law says. Someone neutral with no more loyalty to Al than to me. So we picked your son, Bud. And when he gets back, we'll find out that this is still the United States of America, where men have rights. That's why George Washington chopped down that cherry tree, called it macaroni. That's why George Hamilton and Raymond Burr fought their famous duel. And that's why a lot of other guys did a lot of other stuff. Believe me, Marcy. My government would never rule against me. So uh, this is a, a funny joke. This whole section here is a funny joke. 
about how much, how little Americans know about their history. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So George Washington chopping down a cherry tree, that was a lie. That was invented by this guy named Parson Weems. Hmm. Now, George Washington chopped down that tree and called it macaroni. So that comes from the song Yankee Doodle. <laughs> there is actually uh, some story behind the word macaroni because it sounds really uh, silly, right? Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony, stuck a feather in his cap, and called it macaroni. In the 1770s, when this song was written or sung, the macaroni wig was an extreme fashion icon for people who were considered dandies. In other words, men who like really liked high fashion. Mm -hmm. And it became slang for being a foolish man excessively concerned with his appearance and clothing. I believe part of the reason was that the macaroni wig was based on something that was going on in Italy. So when you sing the song, a Yankee Doodle dandy implies someone who's unsophisticated, who's misappropriated high-class fashion, as though simply sticking a feather in one's cap would make him a noble. That's what the song is about. So even though, like I said, it's a silly song, but there's actually a reason why. I think most people don't understand what the words mean nowadays, so that's what that's about. And when they talk about George Hamilton and Raymond Burr fighting their famous steel, it's actually about Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. And now there's a musical that explores this yeah. on Broadway. Hamilton. <laughs> now, George Hamilton is an American film and television actor, his notable films include Home from the Hill, By Love Possessed, Light in the Piazza, Your Cheating Heart, Once is Not Enough, Love at First Bite, Zorro, The Gay Blade, The Godfather Part Three, Doc Hollywood, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, <laughs> etc., etc. So he won a Golden Globe Award and was nominated for a BAFTA Award, and he received one additional BAFTA nomination and two additional Golden Globe nominations. Raymond Burr was a Canadian-American actor primarily known for his title roles in the television dramas Perry Mason and mm -hmm. Ironside. He has been mentioned previously on Married with Children. If you remember in the Million Mile Dodge episode, remember Raymond Burr, Delta Burke? Yeah. Yep. Back in season eight. Yeah, Raymond Burr is also in Rear Window. Correct. Mm -hmm. Very, very famous actor. Mm -hmm, definitely. So they decided to pick someone neutral who had no more loyalty to Al than Marcy. So they both decided to pick Bud. Dad, they ruled against you. <laughs> Damn, George Washington, I wish he was dead. Well, it looks like Sucklegate, much like my career, has finally come to an end. This is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal saying goodnight and... Yikes. Marcy jumps up and down. We won, we won. And the girls leave. And uh, Peg high fives them all. <laughs> so she's happy this is over. And Miranda ends her little segment. Says, it looks like Sucklegate, much like my career, has finally come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's a, a reference to Watergate. Yep. I wonder when they had her, uh, Miranda, for this two-parter, I wonder if they knew they were going to bring her back and be become a recurring character. That's a really good question. Uh, I got to think they were like, well, we'll see how the audience reacts. And if they react well, we may bring her back. If not, oh, well, you know, because 
if you think about it, they've had a lot of different reporters over the years. When you think about different episodes where Al ends up on television because of his harebrained ideas and such, I mean, <laughs> you know, they've had a lot of different reporters and most of them have never come back for a second episode. But I think, I mean, the audience's reaction to her was great. I mean, from the very first moment she was on camera. So I got to believe they're like, hey, we got to bring we got to bring uh, we got to bring Teresa Prente back. You know, yeah, she got like really huge applause, like I'm from the first moment. Oh, You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So it's like so something clicked. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I, if we ever get her on the show, uh, that would probably be the question I have to ask. It's like, you know, what, like, what does she? What would she think is the magic there? You know, is it just the way she's? Because all, all, I mean, if you think about it, all she did was she said her name, and everyone's applauding. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just like just the way she said. It. I think you said. I think you described it well uh, on part one of this, where she's speaking in English, but she's pronouncing her name as if she's speaking in Spanish. The the accent and and the speed at which she says it, you know, it's almost as if she's speaking Spanish. So it sounds funny, you know. You're speaking an, an English sentence and then you say <laughs> the name part of it in Spanish. So that could be it. <laughs> My husband is Spanish and uh, born in Mexico, and I always he he and I always joke, and I say, "You guys speak so fast, you know. I don't know what you're saying. It's too you speak way too fast." Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting because you know from the point of view, the perspective, it, it's just because we don't know the language, or at least I don't. I don't know if, if you are. Do you speak Spanish as well? I'm learning not? just to oh. you know kind of fit in with the rest of the family. <laughs> I got you. But it's totally like, you know, think about it when you're talking to someone who is uh, English second language, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're doing pretty good. You know, they, they're learning the language. They know how to read it and write it and speak it. But if you speak really, really quickly, you can lose them or you can confuse them or whatever. And, and a lot when, of times they'll say yeah. slow down. And it's because it's not that we're talking quickly. It's just that they're learning the language. And it's the same with this. It sounds funny because of the way she delivers it when she, you know, English and then boom, her name. And she says it as if, she, as if she's speaking Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why it works. Uh, one thing I want to point out about her is, uh, like I said, the, it's the delivery. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, she's from the Boogie Down Bronx right across the Long Island Sound from where I grew up. So I feel like, uh, you know, she really gave a nice touch of sarcasm in terms of the way she delivered it. I mean, she, she delivered it deadpan with a straight face. And I think, and that to me is part of the magic. Yeah, definitely. You know what I love about America in the 90s? Jockey for her? (laughs) No. It's that people like you never get what they want. It's so amusing to watch. You try, but things just never go your way. That's what makes this country great. I don't care what the law says. I do what I want, Mercy. I laugh at the law. <laughs> so that's a reference to underwear. Yep. Actually, now, Alyssa, like, what? What specific? Uh, I guess what makes it that? What makes it funny? It's it's a '90s reference, definitely. Um, that's what I love about watching these these episodes that are you know twenty something years old. It's I I remember everything, you know. But I think just jockey for her is kind of like a cheap outlet store that's what i that's how i see it okay <laughs> All right. so now al laughs at the law 
<laughs> Enter Officer Dan. Yeah. <laughs> this was funny. Hello, officer. <laughs> what brings you here? The law. <laughs> you know, that thing you were just laughing at. Come on, Dan, you're a guy. I'm a cop first, Al. Well, actually, I'm a cop about 11th. I'm a lover first. <laughs> then a bowler. <laughs> then a lover again. <laughs> then sometimes late at night, I like to pretend I'm Barney on Mission Impossible. <laughs> But anyway, I'm here to uphold the law. It's the job I've sworn to do. Officer, someone's being mugged in the food court. Tell someone who cares. <laughs> anyway, the law says you can't stop a woman from breastfeeding. Sorry, Bundy, but we live in an age where everyone's rights have to be respected. Especially mine. <laughs> That's why I've got seven citations here for indecent exposures. But there's only six of us. I know. I gave you two. Uh, so for those of you who never watched Mission Impossible, Barney was a character, Barney Carlier, whose main role on Mission Impossible was as an IMF agent who was an electronics and mechanical genius, as well as a forgery expert. He also had an extensive knowledge of building infrastructure such as wiring and plumbing standards, including building standards in foreign country. Generally, Barney was brought in on missions to supply high-tech custom mission support. On occasion, he custom-built a computer, which was well ahead of its time, such as a computer that could read playing cards face down on a table or could beat the world's greatest chess players. So this is what Officer Dan dreams about at night. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it gives uh, the six guys seven citations. <laughs> <laughs> but there's only six. I know. I gave you two. Sorry, Poindexter. Man, Officer Dan is great, man. <laughs> yeah, again, it's that deadpan delivery. I mean, that's really, I think, like what works with all of these. Now, you know, this is interesting right here. Uh, if we take a minute to talk about it. So... Part of what the, the part, you know, the point of this episode, the last two episodes, is to talk about political correctness, because in the mid '90s it really started to seep into our culture. You know, if you look at the TV shows of the '80s, like take something like the A Team, right? Mm -hmm. That was like a guy's show, and yeah. yeah, there was really no like, there was really no sensitivity to say like, you know, for example. I mean, I know it's probably even difficult to say it on a podcast, but it's like, you know, you can't call a fat person fat anymore. Right. Right. You know, you can't, uh, it's like, you know, even I would say, it's like, you can't call them, you know, a dwarf a midget. You can't call, uh, uh, I don't know. And usually, I mean, again, it was never, in Married with Children was never really touched on race. It was more like, you know, something like someone was too fat or too skinny or too mm -hmm. ugly or whatever the case may be. Right. But... You know, those are those are things that had been prominent at one point in time, but around this time of the mid '90s, it really started to become out of fashion, and people couldn't say these things anymore. Yeah, everybody got offended. Great. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, the whole point of this uh, of the dialogue that's going back and forth. I mean, Chris, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, I was I was a kid whenever this was happening, but 
it's easy to see whenever you watch older shows and then you watch, you know, the newer generation. Uh, and then you look at, you know, you fast forward to where we are now. Everybody's offended by everything. I know. It's awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you can't say anything without offending some group. Can't even say Christmas anymore. <laughs> I just said right. <laughs> right. You know, I, I think the most telling line right there is is when Al says, when did being born a man become a crime? <laughs> if you go back to the Legend of Ironhead Haynes episode, right? It's mm -hmm. like Waylon Jennings' line in there was that, you know, well, we really don't have much of a future, but we have a glorious past. It's like, <laughs> in other words, it's like we're dinosaurs. You know, and, and for people who still talk like that or like for somebody like Al, whose world is, you know, continues to shrink every day. In other words, like this high school... <laughs> this high school great who the world was his oyster at you know in high school now it's like whatever's left of his world it's like continues to shrink day in and day out and this is and he's reacting to this you know he's protesting this and that's really that's the comedy that's the comedy that we see yeah mm -hmm. yeah absolutely when did being born a man become a crime well According to the people of Illinois versus Baby Hayes, it was uh, May 12, 1992. Baby Hayes? And he was born naked. The nurse didn't like it. Sued him for sexual harassment. They tried him as an adult. Gave him the electric high chair. You'll be seeing it on Fox. So Bud follows up that it, it was a crime that being born a man became a crime <laughs> um, on May 12, 1992 <laughs> with a case called The People of Illinois versus Baby Hayes. Now, you're going to laugh at this. I looked this up because I wanted to see, like, well, what are they talking about? <laughs> so what I was able to find is that there was a California case called The People versus Albert Hayes, which was decided on May 12, 1992. Now, I have no idea. Like, I, I have this link. And I'm happy to put it out there for you all. I can't make a heads or tails out of what the hell this was about. But it just seemed like too much of a coincidence. That is. Same last name, same year, right? Same date. They oh, both wow. said May 12th, 1992. It's the people. I, although, you know, for the show, it was the people of Illinois. But in this case, it was the people of California huh. versus Albert Hayes. So I'm just wondering, like, there was something there. Uh, and it was, not, it was not about a baby. I think it was about some, had something to do with someone's rights being in multiple states or, like, you know, something about consecutive cases. I couldn't make it out. But uh, very, very interesting. There's just too many similarities. I can't discount it. Now, mind you, you remember, our writers are writing in California, so it makes sense that they would be knowledgeable of a case that happened in California. So they just switch states <laughs> Yeah, just to uh, make it fit. <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting to read the, or to see, you know, well, you said it's not a baby, so it's not actually a baby, but that'd be funny if it was. <laughs> so they tried. So in other words, the baby was born naked. The nurse didn't like them. And the nurse didn't like him and sued him for sexual harassment. <laughs> they tried him as an adult and gave him the electric high chair. You'll be seeing it on Fox. <laughs> I have that on my notes. Another rip on Fox. That's what they do best. 
There's so many on the show. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, Bud really gives Al a moment of nirvana. Come on, Dad. In all honesty, why are you surprised at having to see breastfeeding? I mean, after all, this is a woman's shoe store. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Dad, and hold on to your hairline. You are a woman's shoe salesman. <laughs> I am, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Well, that's enough for today. I'll, I'll break the Dodge and Mom to you some other time. <laughs> Son, you just gave me a great idea. I know how to get around the law, Marcy, and her cud-chewing comrades permanently. <laughs> I mean, after all, this is a women's shoe store. <laughs> like ding dong he's like oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's totally i mean bud hit the nail on the head that'd be like going to uh, a dog park and being offended about seeing dog crap or something you know what i mean you're at a dog park there's probably going to be dog poop there right <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it's so obvious yep it just shows you how dumb al is <laughs> <laughs> You know, and it's like, and dad, hold on to your hairline. You're a woman's shoe salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I take offense for the, you know, for Chris and I, or any bald joke. I mean, I take offense, you know, for myself, Chris, uh, Stephen <laughs> Scott, Matt Thompson. I mean, we don't actually, uh, you know, that's the one thing like I admire about Alex. I mean, Alex is a hairy dude, but I mean, <laughs> all his replacements were all bald, Chris. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> yeah, no, man. What happened? <laughs> So Bud says to Hal, I'll break the Dodge and mount you some other time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. So now we see a transformed shoe store, which is now Gary's Shoes and Accessories for Today's Man. <laughs> Son, welcome to Gary's Shoes and Accessories for Today's Man. Yeah! <laughs> it even says so on the sign, see? Dad, the imprint of the W and the O were still there. Well, that's the way it is with women, see? Their imprint... <laughs> their imprint is always there. <laughs> but son, don't you see the genius of what I've done? Now that I just sell men's shoes, I never have to worry about women coming in the store at all. Yeah, I mean, that's totally crazy when you think about it. The the fact that Al thought he could literally just change the store. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. And the owner wouldn't notice, you know what I mean? <laughs> so a woman walks in, and this is Marge, played by Mary Pad Green. I need shoes. <laughs> uh, sorry, ma'am, but this is now a man's shoe store. I need shoes. Right this way. <laughs> well, at least we know she's not going to breastfeed. <laughs> but my idea is genius. Just listen to the silence. I, I say this line all the time. I don't know. It's just, it's, I say it to my kid. You need shoes. I need shoes. Just, I don't know. It's just catchy. <laughs> so this is the second time that she utters her famous line, Mary Pat Green. The first time was on the Scared Single episode that Chris and I reviewed back in season eight. 
She appeared as Max in the season eight closer, which was a different character. So now she returns as the I Need Shoes lady. And for the remaining, her remaining appearances on Married with Children, she will say, she will utter that famous line all the way to the end. Yep. Except for one episode where there's a variation, but then we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Al thinks that he has a genius idea to ward away women from his uh, place of refuge. And that's really what the shoe store is, his place of refuge from Peg. <laughs> now Jefferson comes in. Hey, Al. Listen, I came by to warn you. Marcy's as mad as a wet hen about this. Well, that means somewhere out there, there's a wet hen just as mad as Marcy. <laughs> Look, you know she's not going to give up on this. I mean, when she sinks her teeth into something. <laughs> well, if you want to step in the back room, I'll show you. No, that's OK. I'll do a silent scream from here. She's mad at me. That'll teach her to get into a milking contest with me. <laughs> so he says, so Jefferson says to Al, listen, I came by to warn you, Marcy's as mad as a wet hen about this. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had never heard this expression before. Have either of you? No. I, I have heard that before. I guess it's because I'm in the South, but I didn't really know exactly what it meant. I mean, I just assumed it meant extremely mad <laughs> yeah I, I see your notes here where you are i guess it's annabelle who um who gave the descriptor there but i've i've i have heard that before but never really gave it much thought as to what it actually meant so chris leave it to annabelle our resident australian to teach uh, two americans three americans uh <laughs> what mad as a wet hen means <laughs> it says mad as a wet hen in the Old South, after a hen laid her eggs, she would want to sit on them until they hatched. Even if you gathered up all her eggs, she would still sit on the empty nest. So in order to break her and get her to lay more eggs, the farmer would lift her off the nest and dunk her in the water. She'd then go back to her nest, so this had to be done two or three times, after which she'd be mad as hell and start fussing and scrambling about. Apparently, this quote-unquote broke her, and she'd start laying eggs again. So that's where the saying, mad as a wet hen. And we just want to note that that comes from the Urban Dictionary. And Marcy's a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Jefferson says, look, you know, she's not going to give up on this. I mean, when she sicks her teeth into something well, and he cringes. <laughs> I forgot about that line. <laughs> that, is, that is not a pretty picture right there. It's like, if you want to see it, I'll show you in the back room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm just going to say to our Married with Children podcast audience, just use your imagination as to yeah, where, we won't go into detail where that is. That <laughs> <laughs> so, as Al says, I'll do a silent scream from here. <laughs> Ouch. Aren't you afraid that Gary will find out that you turned this into a man's shoe store? Who's Gary? 
you know, Gary of, of Gary Shoes. Jefferson, I've worked here 20 years. <laughs> 20 years? Where the hell has my life gone? <laughs> but anyway, I've never even seen Gary. I don't even know if the Gary exists. But you know, I haven't been this happy in years. Let me just sit back and revel in it. Dad? That was Gary's office on the phone. <laughs> Gary's flying in the day after tomorrow to take a personal look at the store. And you know, any time that Al says that... Oh, yeah. Cue the bad luck. Every time something's going good for him. <laughs> so here is some continuity that we need to talk about. Okay. So first of all, Al says that he's worked there for 20 years. It's more like 27 years if it's yeah. 1994 and he started working there the summer after he graduated high school, which would be in 1967. Now, let's talk about Gary. So the first time that Gary's actually mentioned is in season one, episode 12, Where's the Boss? Oh, yeah. And we're told in that episode that Gary is a man based on the news reports that Steve communicates to Al. And if you remember, Al gets his friend Nick to pose as Gary. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Yeah. Right. So now in season seven, episode 14, it doesn't get any better than this. We're told that Al got the cabin for his weekend getaway from his boss, oh. who we assume is Gary and we assume is a man. Mm-hmm. Now in season seven, episode 23, Al mentions that the shoe store got sold. So there was a change in ownership. Huh. That was the Three Habibs episode. And Alex pointed this out. So Alex's theory, which I think is true, again, if we want to make sense out of this, <laughs> is that there are two different Garys. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Alex's theory was that there was a Gary who owns Gary's shoes, who then sold it to another person named Gary. <laughs> so it went from a man to a woman. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a way to tie up the loose ends uh, continuity wise. <laughs> I think I mean, if it were me, I think it's probably the writers were like, hey, how funny would it be if it turns out Gary is actually a woman? That would be a great character for the rest of the series. And then they probably went back and rewatched that the two earlier episodes you were just talking about, you know, the Habib 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 episode and the uh, what was it? Season two episode. Or no, season one episode. Season one. Season one, yeah. season one and season seven. And they're like, hey, you know, we've referenced Gary, but we, Gary has never, or, you know, the real Gary has never actually been seen on screen. So we could just make Gary a woman, and that would be funny as hell and ironic as hell, too. Right. <laughs> so we'll get to Gary uh, when she comes on screen. So um, so this is the theory, and I think like it actually holds holds some water. Uh, hello, Le Crappe Shoe Distributors. <laughs> yeah, I'm Al Bundy. I returned $20,000 worth of shoes. Okay, 20,000 pesos. <laughs> Look, I need them back today. Three weeks. Look, you don't understand. My boss... Hey, don't I caramba me in that sarcastic tone? <laughs> now I need those shoes. Hello? <laughs> 20,000 pesos. <laughs> <laughs> now... I know with the Mexican peso, uh, it's around like one dollars, like ten pesos, give or take. Yeah. Uh, that's at least that's at least the current uh, exchange 
rates, I'm going to say. So what is it, about $2,000 $2, worth of shoes? If it was 20,000 pesos? Yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> Again, I'd have to really look up what the exchange rate was in 1994, but it's a lot of pesos. A lot of pesos will give you little shoes, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, Dad. So you traded your women's shoes for men's shoes without telling your boss. I mean, it's not like last weekend when you bought that $200 bowling ball and you didn't tell mom. <laughs> now that would be trouble. Well, thank you, pumpkin. You just spoiled your mother's birthday present. And let's not spoil your father's birthday present. He's getting a cocktail dress. <laughs> Quiet down the two of you, I gotta think. Leave the wife. Leave the way. <laughs> Gary's coming. Gary's coming. Peg, you just gave me an idea. You have shoes, lots of shoes. I can sell them. Give them to me. No, I need them. Well, what does a woman need with over 200 pairs of shoes? Well, let's start with the black ones. You know, black is a basic, so you need all the styles. I have black flats for casual outfits, black mules for lounging, black clogs for that retro look. Oh, and my black heels for dressy occasions. Kelly, come with me. I got a new idea. And then there's the black boots. Cowboy boots for bootcut jeans. English riding boots for tweedy suits and skirts. Oh, and yes, shoe boots for when you want that boot look, but you just can't commit to the whole boot experience. I tell you, then it goes on from now, if Peg Bundy has 200 pairs of shoes, where the hell does she keep <laughs> I have no idea because you would have to have she would have to have an enormous closet. I mean, because I mean, we've seen those shows, you know, like we've seen those closets on cribs and things like that where these, yeah. where these where these very wealthy people have these like two and three story closets and stuff to store all their shoes. Like, where would Peg Bundy store 200 pairs of shoes? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and Annabelle mentioned this. It's like, there's got to be some massive closet in the bedroom wall that we don't see. Where the hell are 200 pairs of shoes? Right. <laughs> he could just be exaggerating. Well, you know, Peg sits on the couch and she starts going through the inventory. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Plus, we know, I mean, she loves the Home Shopping Network. So, I mean, she could, she could very easily... <laughs> Yeah, we're we're in season nine now. She could very easily have two hundred pair. <laughs> yeah, what's the episode where she keeps buying stuff from the Home Shopping Network? Remember that she bought like an Oprah soap on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the future. Yes. So I know, I know, but that was a funny one. So Al leaves with Kelly, and we cut back to the shoe store. How do I do it? <laughs> I am a genius. Would you have known that five minutes ago, this was a man's shoe? Well, yeah. I defy anyone else to tell me that these aren't real ladies' shoes. Pumpkin, let me explain again what I want you to do here for me. Now, when Gary comes in, I want you to act like you're a customer. If you do a good job, Gary will think that these are really ladies' shoes. <laughs> and then daddy won't have to wrestle old women for government cheese <laughs> can you do that for daddy pumpkin well I don't know how tough are these old women 
<laughs> you know, I, I really think we can pull this off. I mean, even if women can tell that these aren't women's shoes, Gary won't know the difference. He's a man. And we see some really ugly looking women's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys notice what was on the bottom of the shoe? There were like, I don't know, there was like a, looked like a cap. Yeah, it was a cap to a mustard bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Using that as the heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what that is. Because I have it on, I'm, I'm watching it right now as we. Uh, I think it's a mustard bottle. That's what that looks like. I yeah, think it's you're a right. yellow cap. Yeah. And you know what? That would totally make sense because of a line that Kelly has coming up here soon. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Al enlists Kelly to be an actress, which is not a really good one. <laughs> He says, you know, if you do a good job, Pumpkin, Gary will think that these are really ladies' shoes. And then Daddy won't have to wrestle old women for government cheese. <laughs> there's, there's the future food stamp abuser right there, right? Yep, came back. <laughs> and, you know, and then Al again, you know, he sets himself up. He says, even if women can't tell these aren't women's shoes, Gary won't know the difference. He's a man. And then all of a sudden, in comes Janet Carroll as Gary. Hi, I'm Gary. I own this store. Of course. Excuse me, Mr. Shoe Daddy. What a wonderful selection of women's shoes. I think I'll take this lovely wiener pair. They're so... Women's. Well, that's probably because this is a woman's shoe store. <laughs> How much do I owe you? Oh, you could never repay me. <laughs> Miss, uh... Bundy. <laughs> anyway, as a satisfied woman customer in this a women's shoe store. I insist that I pay. for my change. Get out. I guess I'll see you at home then. You betcha. Now, sweetheart, do me a favor and leave the oven on for daddy, would you? Now, don't you think it's funny that not only did they pick Gary to be a woman, to be Al's boss, but she's also a redhead. Oh, I never noticed that. I never even caught that. It seems that the redheads just torment him. That's so funny. With Gary's entrance, we have all the pieces of the Act 3, of Act 3 as Chris has described it. This is the last piece of the Married with Children world that we have. So now it is complete. Yep. There's only one person who has not appeared yet on screen, who will in episode 11 of season nine, and that is Ike. Oh, yeah. But No Ma'am is on, 
Miranda, and Gary. Wow. And Griff. And well, not Officer Dan. Officer Dan was already in it before. That that's right. So we have all the pieces that finish out Married with Children. So this is going to be the material that they work with for the remaining three seasons. Now Kelly tries to act in front of Gary. So not only does she act, but she also comes up with some make-believe money. <laughs> <laughs> those, those acting classes she's been taking are paying off, huh? <laughs> now, Alyssa, I want to ask you this question. Okay. So, so the pair of shoes that Kelly was buying was for $15. Uh-huh. So my question is, does $15 for a pair of shoes in 1994 make sense? They see, it seems too cheap for me. That's way too cheap. I, I know we know that Gary's shoes are cheap. Yeah. But I mean, but even fifteen dollars. I mean, because fifteen dollars would be, let's say, roughly, you know, close to thirty dollars nowadays. Mm-hmm. And you know, and twenty twenty one dollars. But I don't know. <laughs> that still seems a little cheap for women's shoes. That's very cheap. Very cheap. That that's yeah. That's like pay less. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have a pay less that you're well. They're, sure. They're, yes. They closed down over here. All of them closed down, but um, yeah, Payless was, you could get like a pair of pumps for like 10 bucks, but you, they're, they were not comfortable. <laughs> Are they like, you know, wear them once and throw them away? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Can we talk about who Gary is? Cause I, uh, she's dear and dear to my heart. She, okay. So she is in the movie Risky Business, which is one of my favorite movies. And she plays um, Joel, Joel's mom in Risky Business. But the thing that she is that I knew her the best was from Melrose Place, which was one of my favorite shows and still is. She was, you know, crazy Kimberly, you know, the one who blew up Melrose Place. <laughs> she played her mother, Marion Shaw. And she was actually on the show, both shows around the same time. Wow. Two Fox cool. shows. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I was like, oh my gosh, that's where she's from. It took me a minute because she looks a little different in this. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, she dyed her hair. Yeah, uh, right. To, to, be, to be a redhead. <laughs> uh, sadly, she died at the age of 71 yeah, on May 22nd, 2012. Yeah. Hmm. But she has 104 acting credits on uh, IMDb. And she appeared on Married with Children for... Uh, a total of seven episodes. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds like she had a really good career, 104 acting credits. She did, yeah. Starting all the way in the early 80s in 1981 through the year of her death and actually beyond. It looks like they filmed things before she died. Oh, wow. Her last work aired in 2015 and 2016. Hmm. So uh, almost four years after she died. Wow. Interesting. It's a very pr- prolific career. Uh, a great uh, a great addition is uh, Al's boss. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mr. Bundy? Not one second, please. Let me say one thing. Please, please don't fire me. <laughs> I'm just a major stroke away from a comfortable retirement. <laughs> Mr. Bundy, I have holdings all over the world. I own airlines, I own oil wells, I own men. I'm I'm for sale. (laughs) I said men. (laughs) Anyhow, 
I almost made the Forbes 400 last year. I was number 401. You know why? Because you're too beautiful to be perceived as a successful businesswoman? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> but no, it's because of this shoe store. That was my second guess. <laughs> this is the only holding I have that has never, ever made me any money. And I think I know why. Please don't fire me. It's because of these shoes. Did you know that underneath, <laughs> underneath this patina of jawbreakers and double-sided tape, these are men's shoes? The hell you say? Oh, of course you knew. I did. I get my lunchbox. And obviously, you had the acumen to know that men's shoes don't sell. Bundy, we're going to turn this store into a moneymaker. And you know how? Tear it down, put up a gap. <laughs> now, we're going to turn it into a women's shoe store. A really cheap one. And we'll cater to their needs. There'll be bidets and Michael Bolton music. <laughs> and a place where they can breastfeed. Congratulations, Mr. Bundy. You're going to sell women's shoes for the rest of your life. So we find that she's very rich and, you know, she owns lots of things, oil wells, airlines, men. <laughs> Al offers himself up for sale, but she says, I said men. <laughs> now being in a stoop don't business fire me <laughs> sorry <laughs> now being an astute businesswoman she noticed that the shoes really don't look really good so she says did you know that underneath patina jawbreakers and double-sided tape there are men's shoes <laughs> the hell you say <laughs> Says Bundy, we're going to turn this store into a moneymaker, and you know how? Al says, tear it down and put up a gap. <laughs> that was a good line too. <laughs> so you know, in the mid '90s, Gap was huge. Yes, it was, and it expanded tremendously. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of expansion during that time period, so that's what it was. I remember there was this uh, joke on The Simpsons when uh, but, uh, uh, Bart wanted to get a tattoo. And he goes into this tattoo parlor, and the guy's like, uh, "Hurry up! It's like this is going to be a Starbucks soon." It was like a double layer, um, uh, a double level mall, and it was like maybe like let's say ten squares, mm -hmm. and like three or four of them were like Starbucks. And by the time he comes out of the tattoo parlor, they're all uh, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> but that, but that's that was like what Gap was doing at the same period of time. Oh yeah, and then then a Baby Gap, Gap Kids. They have a whole bunch of, uh, what's it called, um, sister stores, I guess you could call them. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I believe um, Old Navy is owned by Gap, isn't it? There's yes. Gap is the parent company of Old Navy, I believe. And Banana Republic. That's oh, really? right, yes. Yep. Yep. All three of those, yep. Huh, how about that? Yeah, I think the way that they work is it's like there's a... I think it's like Old Navy is like the, the base model and it's like they keep working their way up. So like I think Banana Republic is supposed to be like the more expensive of them, of the brands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That way you have something for everyone, you know, Old Navy. Yeah, Banana Republic. 
Yeah, if you put it like in car speak, it's like a Chevy Buick Cadillac, right? Yeah. There you go. Gary has this great idea of turning the store into a moneymaker. This is Kent. We're going to make it, turn it into a woman's shoe store, a really cheap one, cater to their needs, and there will be bidets, Michael Bolt music, and a place where they can breastfeed. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So Al's plan is spoiled. So now we cut back to the store, which has been reconfigured. such a wonderful store. I'm going to have to tell all the women in my cheesecake club about it. <laughs> oh! oh, Al, I'm so glad to see you finally dragged your knuckles into the 20th century. What came over you? Certainly wasn't a clean t-shirt. <laughs> That's right, Marcy, feed the bears. Excuse me, sir. Do you have a place I can put this dirty diaper? No, I do not. And this is where I draw the line. There will be no dirty diapers in my shoe store. Oh, no? Oh, no. Ladies, present loads. Now there's like a children's play area. <laughs> and Al is uh, on his knees giving, uh, measuring a foot of a very full-figured woman who tells him, I was like, I'm going to have to tell all the women in my cheesecake club about it. <laughs> cheesecake club. That was so funny. <laughs> As Marcy says, I'm so glad to see you finally dragged your knuckles into the 20th century. Oh, another ape reference. That's right. <laughs> I like how Griff almost tripped over that one kid, and while he was trying to recover, that other kid hit him in the head with the ball. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so now the, the woman from the first episode, and I believe this is Cynthia Steele. So her name is Rebecca on the show. I mean, she's never named in the dialogue. And that's funny. It's like, you know, you never really hear people's names. Like in this case, you know, there's uh, a, there's Marla Katowski, who I believe is the woman sitting in this chair. So her name is Helga. So in other words, she's named Helga. We have this in our minds. We think she must be the fat woman. <laughs> so, so Cynthia Steele was the nursing mother from the first episode. Mm -hmm. And... So her character's name is Rebecca. So she asks Al if she has if he has a place where she he she can place the dirty diaper. <laughs> so Al says, "Nope, this is where I draw the line. There will be no dirty diapers in my shoe store." Says, "Oh no, ladies, present loads." <laughs> He's right back to where he started. Something even worse than breastfeeding now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I would definitely take breastfeeding over this. No question about that. <laughs> and that goes to the uh, credits. So, the, so it goes to the credits, and it sounds like there's a Michael Bolton song playing, like you know, as they cut to credits before we hear "Love and Marriage." 
Let's talk a little bit about loads. Alyssa, yeah. right? You're very uh, well uh, versed in, uh, yeah, in loads. So. I am. <laughs> so I educate I us. We blowouts sometimes. Sometimes we have blowouts. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, know for a, I know some places you cannot put dirty diapers in the garbage can, especially at the pediatrician's office. You have to have it in a separate... You have to, um, no, not, not, no, not in the, okay. So you can't put the dirty diapers in their garbage cans in the doctor's office. You cannot put you have to, there's some kind of sanitary issue. You have to put them in the bathroom. You cannot just like, you know, if I have to change my, my baby's diaper, I can't just say, okay, here, oh, there's a trash can, throw it in there. You can't do it. They don't let you do that. So it's, uh, that's what I wanted to comment on. It's, uh, <laughs> a lot of places won't let you put the diapers there. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, so I have two kids, mm-hmm. and they're two years apart. And when you know we had gotten a diaper genie. Oh yeah, I had one of. The, I have one of those still. <laughs> and let me tell you, I, I lived in a neighborhood where there were bears. We oh. had like this little stream, and you know there was a lot of wildlife, which is very foreign to me because you know, I grew up in the asphalt jungle. Mm-hmm. So. We would have bears that would raid our garbage. <laughs> and especially, I'd say, in the summertime, they would knock the garbage down and these bears would, like, maul the inside of the garbage can, you know, looking for food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to put these bungee cords around to protect this garbage can. And the day that we finally got rid of that diaper genie, <laughs> I, I, I took it outside. And let me tell you, not even the bears... <laughs> wanted to get near it. <laughs> I think I left it out there for a week because it's like, you know, let me try this experiment because I don't want to have to go out every morning and sweep up the garbage uh-huh. and clean up. And for one week, it's like I had peace. Wow. <laughs> I remember like when I got rid of it, I took a picture of it and posted it on Facebook. And, you know, I quoted Oliver Cromwell in his speech where he dismissed the rump parliament from 1653. It's like, it's like you got, it's like, it's high time for me to put an end to you sitting in this place, (laughs) (laughs) which you've dishonored by all your contempt and virtue. It's like, you know, go get out, make haste. It's like, I commend you in the name of God, go. I had to be very poetic about it because if you are a parent and you have that diaper genie, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have to pull up a Google image of that, a diaper genie. I'm not sure. I know. Is that just a place where you store them before you throw them away? That type of thing? It's like a garbage can for the diapers. Okay. But the thing about it is it it um it compacts the diapers. So you... And you just kind of roll it up into a little ball and put it in there, and it just compacts on top of each other. So it holds a lot. Okay. You know what? I think I have seen those before. I mean, I, you know, I don't have kids, but I I think I've seen those at, at friends' houses who have kids. I know what you're talking about now. And, yeah, the, they uh, they don't smell pleasant. <laughs> no, they're not really worth it. And somebody told me that before I had my baby, <laughs> and I didn't listen to them. <laughs> yeah. It sounds good. And the thing about it is – as you put a diaper in, it's supposed to make an air seal so that theoretically, like, no air, like, comes out. Like, in other words, you put a diaper in and it sort of, like, clamps around. So, like, this bag, mm-hmm. which almost looks like, it's funny for me to say, it's almost like an overstretched condom. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. 
you know, so as like each diaper goes in, it just sort of makes a seal so that it's sealed as these diapers go into the diaper genie. And you don't know as much as smell when the thing opens up, but the inside of it, like when you have to like actually change that sleeve. It's gross. And open up. Oh my God. It's really gross. I bet that just about knocks you down when you open that up to change it's that a- sleeve. <laughs> Like I said, you know, it kept like a 500-pound bear out of my garbage for a week, so. Yeah, I'm going to have to remember that. Hey, you know, you already patented that secret. Be like, hey, look, anybody who's having problems with bears getting in their trash or dogs getting into their trash or something, (laughs) just put a diaper genie in there. That's all you got to (laughs) do. Yeah, like I said, that that was a diaper genie that had, like, soaked in uh, dirty diapers for two years. Oh, (laughs) Oh, God. All right, so actually, well, let's see, more than that, probably four years. Oh. Four years, yeah. Because it was when my youngest was two when we finally got rid of it. So, yeah, it would have been used for two years first and then two years. Four years of, of, of dirty diapers. Oof. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, so Al is kind of like a sexist, right? I mean... C- kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's funny that he doesn't have a problem with Gary being a woman that, you know, a, a woman boss. He's more concerned he's going to get fired. But don't you think he'd be like, I'm not working for a woman? Because he didn't know he was working for a woman until now. Wouldn't he like kind of, don't you think, I mean, in his character, he would be like, I don't work for no woman, you know, or something. Yeah, but, you know, she's rich and powerful. And oh, he has, and, and he has, And he has no job prospects. It's like, well, <laughs> you remember, like, any time he's looked for a job besides shoe salesman, it's almost like Boomerang. He has no skills, so he's always back to being a shoe salesman. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, know. Just, that was just a thought that crossed my mind just, you know, tonight. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. But, I mean. He just he kind was... of, it went over his head, you know. He didn't even, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of uncharacteristic for him. Yeah, I mean, we know he was okay with, um, I believe it was the final episode of season seven, the Vanna White episode. Oh, yeah. uh, Vanna was basically trying to purchase him as a sex toy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Although he would get benefit from that due to the sex, but but Vanna would, uh, or Coco, as she is in the show, would essentially be his boss. (laughs) You could think of it like that, you know. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Chris, how many loads do you rate this episode? Well, I I do like this episode, although it is admittedly uh, weaker than the uh, the first part of it. Uh, I do like this episode, and as you pointed out, we have now been uh, fully introduced to all of our main characters except for Ike, so that's nice. We, we finally got to meet Gary. Um, I, uh, I thought Kelly, by the way, one thing we didn't mention earlier is I thought Kelly looked amazing in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she looked incredible there. 
One thing I want to mention about that that I forgot to mention earlier, uh-huh. it's another episode where she's not wearing a bra. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's not. Yeah, she's noticeably not wearing one. Um, but she looks great there. And um, I actually think that scene of her acting out uh, where she, you know, with the with the, the play money and waiting on the receipt and everything there with Gary and Al, I actually think that was the funniest scene in the entire episode. It makes me laugh hysterically because it's so ridiculous but um and uh i think this episode did have some good moments um that made me laugh and uh you know it, obviously it's necessary as the as the the second half of the two-parter uh you know we saw business sucks last week so we have to see the conclusion but uh it was admittedly weaker than the first but i did like it overall so i'm gonna give it 3.5 loads out of five so, Alyssa, yes. how many loads do you rate this episode? Um, I'm just going to give it three. It's not as good. I think I gave last week's a four, I think. Um, I'm, it's not as good as a, the previous one, but um, they had some. there were some really funny moments in there. Like I, I laughed out loud on a lot of moments. There wasn't as many 90s references as last week, <laughs> um, but that's okay. I, you know, I love those 90s references. Um, and I think the title of the episode, Business Still Sucks, is actually very clever because at the very end, he's right back to where he started. Yep, that's right. Miserable yeah. at work, you know, uh, you know, catering to women, you know. So I, I think that uh, I, also I also want to point out that this is just like a, you never see this again. You never see the Michael Bolton music, the kids playground. You never see any of that again. It just ends right here. You know, he's back to a normal shoe store next week, you know. So it's kind of funny. It was just kind of like a little, uh, little, I don't know, little, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, glimpse, I guess, of what it could have been. <laughs> Good rating. Okay, so I'm going to rate this episode, Business Still Sucks, three and a half loads. I thought there were a lot of laugh-out-loud moments. Mm-hmm. I loved the character of Miranda. I think she was great. I mean, I think this was really her shining star uh, episode of this two-parter. She had some good lines, but I really think that episode two was her shining moment. I really think she showed her comedic effect. I really loved uh, the Kelly scenes. Sort of them playing off like her being stupid and, you know, the acting piece. So there was a little bit of continuity there. Not much with uh, Peg, the Peg character, not much with Bud. I'd say that interplay between Marcy and Al was funny. But uh, that's why, like I said, I don't really, this isn't like a a four or five for me. But I think there were enough laugh out loud moments with the lines that uh, I give it a three and a half. Okay. All right, so next week on the Married with Children podcast, Stephen and Tyler will be reviewing Dial B for Virgin. Bud's community service assignment for college is the one he is least suited for, consulting virgins on the brink of temptation while he has to wrestle with temptation himself when he has to go to Bud's house to talk her out of it. Meanwhile, Al and Peggy go to the video store to find a movie that they can both watch together. (laughs) You know, so, you know, 
I think to our podcast audience, uh, Chris and I have been on the past three episodes, so we're going to take a break for a week <laughs> and uh, get to hear a little bit from uh, the Stephen and Tyler team. But uh, Alyssa, thanks again. Sure. This has been a lot of fun. We hope yeah. to have you on again. So uh, you want to tell us again, uh, what's the name of your podcast and where can we find it? Okay, so my podcast is called When TV Was Great. Um, it's on, I just got it on Apple just this week. I got it on Apple podcast. So you can, if you're, if you have an Apple, uh, go there. Or if you have an Android, you can go to podbean, podbean.com. It's on there. And I also have a Facebook page that I started too. So I'm, I'm slowly, but surely getting my podcast going here. And it's about basically just, I review random episodes of random TV shows. I think this week I'm actually doing a married to children episode, a Christmas one. Um, and you know, it'll just, I'll just be doing kind of random shows, just kind of whatever I, whatever, whatever I, uh, you know, whatever tickles my fancy. That's great. And Chris and I will be back for episode eight this season, Sleepless in Chicago, <laughs> where we, where we will be teaming up with Annabelle and Carolyn for a review of that episode. I think it's going to be a good one, Chris. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, this is one you won't want to miss. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's a funny one. Uh, Al and Marcy, are, uh, you get to actually see Al and Marcy sleep together in this episode. <laughs> Believe me, you will not want to miss this. It's a good one, for sure. And includes a Barbie doll. <laughs> <laughs> Before then, tune in to Stephen and Tyler next week. Again, Dial B for Virgin. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. <laughs> <laughs>